Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Welcome to the AV Forums Movies Podcast for July. Coming up, we've got cinema reviews of Die Hard 4.0 and Transformers, plus the latest cinema news. We also look ahead to the forthcoming DVD and HD disc releases, plus we review Brotherhood of the Wolf on HD DVD and The Fifth Element and Mission Impossible 3 on Blu-ray. And to wrap up this month, Ian Collin brings us the insider gaming news and a review of The Darkness on the Xbox 360. From AV Play, it's this week's DVD and HD news and reviews. And as always with the movie podcast, I'm joined by the AV Play review team. We've got Chris McAnini, Kaz Harlow and Simon Crust. And to start things off this week, we're going to talk about cinema releases. Last month, we discussed Die Hard 4 and Kaz has managed to get himself off to the theatre to see that. So, Kaz, what did you think? Well, initially I was a bit worried about the fact that they uh, they had released a PG-13 version. Obviously it's 15 over here, but a PG-13 version of a, a Die Hard movie. But um, I thought it was absolutely tremendous. I, I don't know how you can compare it alongside the others, but cer- certainly on a first viewing it stands up alongside them, um, arguably second to the first movie. It's a good good return to form for Bruce Willis. He's he's quite old, but he pulls it off quite well, jumping out of cars that um, he's firing off into the air and um, driving trucks around as they're getting blown to pieces. He's generally he's generally on top form, and he's got loads of great lines, um, lo- loads of one-liners, and um, generally beats the hell out of everybody. It's everything I wanted it to be, and possibly even more. And the only thing that disappointed me was the fact that you could see everybody was swearing their heads off and it had been dubbed out. It was like watching the movie on an ITV3 or something. It's just, you could, you could see that they were swearing, proper swear words, and it was dubbed into um, crucified or damn it or uh, bloody hell or just uh, a muffled sort of moo And uh, <laughs> it just doesn't, um, it doesn't work. When, when you know what they're trying to say, and you've even heard the stars quoted as what the lines are really supposed to be, um, and uh, and when you come to watch the movie, you get the um, kids' version. Uh, but for every other aspect of it, it's great. The action scenes are superb. Uh, it's got good pacing for a two-hours-plus movie. It's it's never never less than gripping, and um, and it's it's good good to see Willis in that role again. So as a as an AV podcast movies review, how are you going to score that then? I'd find it hard to give it any less than eight from um, from a film point of view. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Well, <laughs> well worth seeing and highly recommended. So if anybody hasn't yet gone and seen that, there you go. That's a recommendation. Uh, Die Hard Four still at theaters now. Go and see it. And we move on to Chris. Chris, have you seen anything this week? Um, yeah, I've been very lucky to see Transformers. The big new proper live-action version, Michael Bay's thunderous um, adaptation of the old 80s classic cartoon series and toy line. And uh, yeah, if Die Hard 4.0 um, started, finally started the, uh, the summer blockbuster movie um, wagon rolling properly after the damn squibs that were the threequels, Spider-Man 3, Pirates 3 and Shrek the third then the Transformers completely goes above, way in above the, the explosive delights of Die Hard because this uh, a film that I perhaps didn't really expect a great deal from other than lots of um, smash bang and bam bam thank you ma'am sort of effects it absolutely galvanised me, it was truly awesome from the, from the minute one till the very end I was never a major fan of the uh, Transformers uh, cartoon series uh, all the toys themselves in particular but uh, I knew who they were, I knew what the mythology was, and as far as I'm concerned, this film does it absolute justice. 
major respect done to uh, the Autobots, the Decepticons and Optimus Prime of course. Uh, they look and sound truly amazing. Their effects here which will just literally blow you out of the water. I've, I'm on record as saying I've, I very rarely managed to sit in my seat at the cinema when I'm really excited by something. I don't think I sat down once throughout this. Even the human elements, uh, you have Shia LaBeouf, who's a stand-up comic, and uh, I'd never heard of him before this movie, actually. Uh, he was the sort of teen interest in the movie, and his little um, infatuation with the uh, extremely hot Megan Fox. Of course, they stumble onto one of the Autobots who's in disguise. It's boy loves girl, boy loves car, car ends up loving boy and girl, car transforms into this the most amazing robot called Bumblebee. Um, and pretty pretty soon, you know, uh, he becomes the uh, the main crux of the story, uh, and which it's the story is, of course, the Autobots and the Decepticons have brought their war to planet Earth. They're all after the uh, all important um, Allspark, which you may remember from the original series. Megatron is on Earth. Optimus Prime and the surviving Autobots are making their way to Earth, and it's going to be carnage of plenty. Uh, there's so many terrific scenes in this, uh, really showboating, exciting stuff, that it's, it's hard to know where to start with it, to be honest. But certainly, you have uh, an opening scene of the Special Forces garrison in Qatar uh, being totally laid waste by you know really aggressive uh, Decepticons. Um, you have a ragtag Special Forces unit who make it up in a great, great scene who make it all the way to some little shanty town whereupon they are attacked by uh, the raging Scorponok. It's just, it's breathtaking stuff to be honest. I'm getting excited just talking about it again to be honest. And uh, it's very, very exciting. Also what I, I thought was quite strange for this movie was the fact that a lot of the humour is uh, quite adult. You have masturbation jokes in there which I truly didn't expect to see or hear. You have a little bit of swearing, but even though it's 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 obviously a kid-friendly sort of movie. You have a lot of action and carnage. People are getting killed, but it's not particularly that violent. But it's the, the tone seems slightly strange. It's skewed towards older teens who get those jokes, who get this sort of thing, you know, and, and are having fun with it. Uh, I can imagine a few embarrassed questions from uh, smaller audience members. What does masturbation mean, Daddy? Which could be... You might want to transform yourself into something yeah, to hightail it out of there when that kind of question gets asked. It is tremendously galvanising stuff. The effects, as I say, just will blow you out of the water. Uh, you've seen the adverts, you've seen cars transforming into weird things on the adverts, ice skating, uh, running down streets, that sort of thing. Well, obviously this is where they got the idea from because now the effects of... Remember Jurassic Park? When that first came out, you believed they were dinosaurs for real on that screen? It was just a documentary. It wasn't a special effects extravaganza. Well, again, you're going to have no trouble believing what you see in this movie. It's just literally... It's awe-inspiring. Colourful, energetic, very funny, very, very exciting. And uh, it's got a, a killer soundtrack as well. For fans of John Carpenter, listen out for the... Um, there's an action cue in it, which you hear several times, which I swear to God has been modelled purely on the, the main theme from Assault on Precinct 13, which, of course, I love that. And it just really... It's more emotive again when you're watching these, these sequences. Uh, tremendously funny. Good um, human performances as well. You've got John Tortoro in there as this rogue CIA-cum-special-forces idiot, basically. It's like an extended cameo, and it's great to see him in a funny role as well, because he really pulls it off. The wall-to-wall -wall carnage at the end, when a city is just... It becomes Iron Giant meets Black Hawk Down, but the emphasis is probably more on Black Hawk Down. You have army Humvees raging around the city streets, machine guns pounding, uh, buildings are exploding all around. It's, you know, it's pulse-pounding stuff. There's no getting away from it. After, as I say, the damn script of movies at the start of the summertime, Die Hard 4 kicked it off, Transformers takes it into the stratosphere. This is truly, truly a barnstorming movie. It's popcorn fodder. It's brain dead. But who cares when you're having so much fun with a movie? It's just out of this world. And whatever format it reaches at the end of the year, Blu-ray, HD, God, I can't wait for that. It's going to be an awesome, awesome transfer as well. It couldn't be anything less. 
So Transformers folks get a major thumbs up from me. Go and see it and be blown away. It's awesome. So we'll move on to the movie news and uh, what's coming up at the cinema in July, beginning of August. And first of all, uh, we'll talk about Evan Almighty. Simon, you heard anything good about this one? No. <laughs> um, I haven't heard anything good about it. Um, I've seen the trailers a couple of times um, and it looks to be almost treading over the, the same old ground that, uh, that they did with um, Bruce Almighty. I never really liked Bruce Almighty. It had that one good scene with all the post-it notes, but other than that, that was it. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't particularly like Steve Carroll anyway, um, and to turn him into some sort of Moses figure seems a bit like the Santa Claus, all that beard growing. You know, it seems a bit, a bit of everything. Uh, Morgan Freeman has got yet again all over the place as he did exactly the same in the first film. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't. I don't think I'll be um, tempted though. Well, Evan Almighty, it bombed in the US box office. I'm not Do- <laughs> Yeah, uh, due for release here on the 3rd of August. And moving on, Kaz, Rush Hour 3, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan returning as the LAPD detectives. So, um, you looking forward to this one? Yeah, I mean, it's Jackie Chan. Can't fail to uh, be entertained by Jackie Chan. I know he's getting a little bit old, and I'd probably have preferred him to return to the, the Shanghai Night, Shanghai Noon movies and do another Owen Wilson um, buddy-buddy flick. But, um... Rush Hour 3 will suit me fine. Hopefully he can still uh, do some ridiculous stunts. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed the other two. I can't see why this could go particularly wrong. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. And, Simon, you any thoughts on this one? I never really liked these films. Um, I thought he was too watered down and he was sort of a bit second fiddle. Didn't really do much for me. And it's a third time out. I don't think I'll be worrying with this one too much, to be honest. Okay, well, Rush Hour 3, it hits cinema screens on the 10th of August. And moving on, uh, one I am definitely going to go and see is The Simpsons Movie, Springfield's most famous family, appearing in their first feature-length movie. I've seen all the trailers, and if you have a PS3 and you're on the Sony shop, you can actually download the high-def trailer for that as well. It's due on the 27th of July, so guys, are we looking forward to this one? Well, I think so, because... If you got Sky Television, they seem to have murdered the uh, the Simpsons franchise by playing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and to finally see him on the big screen, I think it's going to be quite a laugh. Um, again, I've seen the trailers a couple of times, and I think it will. Um, I think it will transpose quite well from the little screen to the big screen. I am looking forward to this one. I will definitely go and see this one. And Kaz? Yeah, I pretty much ditto everything that Simon said. Saw the trailer the other day, uh, front of Die Hard. And um, yeah, it looked really good, very funny, and uh, it looked like it's going to work on the big screen. Also, it's got a huge fan base that know the history of these characters, and they're going to love to see it uh, on the big screen. And last but not least, Chris, you looking forward to The Simpsons on the big screen? Oh, good God, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, the Simpsons are you know, an institution. It's about time they made the leap to the big screen. I think it's going to be one of the air's biggest, hottest movies, without a doubt. Yeah, um, it should be hysterical. Oh, I'm looking forward to ro- literally rolling in the aisles laughing at that one. Should be great. Okay, well, that's our uh, movie news and reviews from the cinema this week. And stand by, we'll do the disc news next. For the biggest and best DVD and HD news and reviews, visit avplay.com. And moving on, it's uh, time for our DVD news. And first of all, we start with Region 2 and a box set I'm really looking forward to. Universal Playback have announced the release of Battlestar Galactica Season 3 on the, thir- on the 3rd of September, uh, priced at £49.99. Uh, don't know if you guys um, followed the series or not. I recorded everything on Sky and got to say... Gripping stuff, especially the the finale, season finale, gripping stuff. Really, really looking forward to this. Um, I haven't seen any of the third season yet. Uh, Two reasons. Firstly, I can't bear the adverts that go through when Sky broadcast it. And secondly, Virgin Media no longer broadcast Sky, so I would have been cut off mid-season. Anyway, um, so I'm looking forward to this to buy it and just put it up in all its glory. I just can't wait. Yeah, um, I've not seen any of this at all, but I have friends who um, have been singing its praises for quite some time, so this might be the 
perfect opportunity to try and catch up with it. It certainly does seem to have a, a huge fan base at the moment. So, yeah, I'll, I'll try and find out what I've been missing. So that's uh, the Region 2 uh, release of Battlestar Galactica. Moving on to Kaz. And Kaz, what do you have for us this week? Well, um, they've, they've just announced that the sequel to 28 Days Later, the British zombie movie flick, is um, going to come out on Region 1 DVD on the 9th of October. It's, uh, I didn't catch it in the cinema, but I saw the trailer and it looked pretty good. A much bigger budget version of the first movie. And um, I'm looking forward to this release on, on DVD. It comes with a whole bevy of extras. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how they develop the storyline. Yeah, it's one uh, one that I missed at the cinema. Actually, I've got to be honest, I haven't been to the cinema this year at all. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to catching that one. Uh, next up, if I was to go... What are we talking about, Simon? That has to be Deliverance, does it not? It does indeed. Yep, coming out on um, HD, DVD and Blu-ray on the 18th of September. I think probably one of Burt Reynolds' um, best-known films, certainly one of his uh, hardman films that stands out head and shoulders above the best when he was when he was a uh, when he was young. Poor old Ned Beatty, scream like a pig. Oh dear, oh dear. But what a great film! Just just horrible, horrible, horrible film, but fantastic at the same time. Um, and to see it in the new HD format, oh, looking forward to it. Uh, Kaz, you looking forward to this one? Yeah, I think it's one of those um, one of those seminal movies that twists the role of the hero. And uh, so you, <laughs> the person you least expect to be hero, becomes the hero at the end, and uh, it's, it's a good movie. Oh yeah, where well, one of the all-time greats, without a doubt. It's um, one of the definitive movies that started the whole survivalist um, horror thriller trend. Um, still a shocking movie even today, uh, for certain sequences, obviously. Um, yeah, it would be nice to see it in all its glory now. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that one's coming out on HD and Blu-ray, and also on HD DVD, and it has been officially announced now. Paramount Home Entertainment uh, first revealed plans that the release of Star Trek uh, would coincide with the 40th anniversary of the sci-fi classic. Well, they have officially announced it now, and the set is expected to include never-before-seen footage exclusive to the high-def format editions. Uh, So, guys, um, I guess we're all sort of Star Trek fans a little bit here and there, are we not? Yep, and I'm not ashamed to admit it either. Especially the the original series, e- even as old and pokey as it is, um, the DVD sets, you know, set a new standard, and to now sit on HD, um, it'd be interesting to see how they can, uh, how it will look, because um, it was all bright and colourful anyway, wasn't it? And but to put it in the new HD, I think it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. Well, uh, you can't fault the series. I think it was originally shot in 16 millimeter, so um, it should be. Uh, good enough quality as long as it's digitally uh, remastered, which I think it will be. I'm just quickly looking through the press release here just to double check. Yep, yeah, says digitally remastered. So hopefully they're going to polish up the old prints and uh, give us uh, the soundtrack in the original and spruced up versions. I don't know. Um, and it might ultimately find its way into Blu ray as well, guys. Uh, Kaz, you any thoughts on this? Well, I've always had a, a soft spot for William Shatner's Star Treks, just like I, I always liked Roger Moore's Bond. Um, there's no real reason he's not a great actor. It's a, quite a, 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 a dated series, um, but in comparison with the recent versions, I just find a lot more to enjoy in the old original series. Um, so yeah, looking forward to this one. And uh, Chris, you have any thoughts on this? I think it's finally going to go where high def has not gone before. Boom hey. boom. There you go. Yeah, very definitely. I was a huge fan of the original Star Trek. In fact, so much so that I I really couldn't get into the next generation at all. Um, and for a long, long time, after the you know the repeated runs that I grew up with, uh, that's runs on TV, not runs to the bathroom. You know, I, I was still watching it again on video over and over and over again. There's some classic episodes there. I'd love to see the likes of Arena in high def. The Gorn, as rubbery as that suit may have been then, it's still a great episode and really gets me going. Uh, It'd be nice to see those short skirts in high def as well. Nurse Chapel, Uhura, some of the other strange coloured floozies who are in it. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be great. It's about time, and I I don't mind the fact that they're rejigging some of the um, the CG in it. Well, putting some CG enhancements into it. I think it really could work well. And I've, I've heard comments from people who've seen some of this, and... It, it all sounds great, great news. So, yeah, another <laughs> something else to spend your, your hard-earned cash on. 
but hey, I think it's going to be worth it. Okay, so uh, moving on from Star Trek, and let's talk about Double Dipping and the next generation high-definition title from Warner Home Video. Uh, they've just announced a director's cut of Troy, which is going to be released in the fall on Blu-ray and HD DVD. So, Chris, what do you think about this one? Yeah, oh God, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. You know how you guys know how much I love these sword and sandal epics. Uh, Troy was not the greatest film when it first came out. Uh, where was the blood? Brad Pitt and Eric Banner was superb in it, but the, the story, Wolfgang Peterson's movie, it, it cut down what was a 10-year war um, for, the, for Troy into, what, a couple of weeks or something. In fact, only a few days, I think, it lasted in the movie. I know you've got to condense these things down, but it wasn't very accurate, was it? Um, but there were some great scenes in it. But as I say, where was the blood? He had lots and lots of battles there, but it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't very savage, I didn't think. So, and what I've heard about this cut is it's going to reinstate quite a lot of footage, um, and a lot of it being um, nasty stuff as well. So, God, yeah, I can't, I can't wait for this. It should be awesome. Um, a bit, a bit of limb lopping, which never goes amiss, and it's going to be on Blu-ray and HD. Now, I had the initial HD of Troy, and I wasn't very impressed with the, the transfer. To be totally honest, it was definitely an improvement over the standard, but it. This was an early release, and it wasn't particularly didn't pop out from the screen. It wasn't particularly um, three-dimensional. So you know, on Blu-ray, which I'm a you know a big advocate of, and really hoping for great things with the new transfer. This is out on September the 18th, and this is meant to be a new introduction and a few new featurettes as well. Not too sure about the full spec as yet, but it's going to retail at $34.95. And, uh, yeah, I think that's one to put in your diary. And uh, Simon? Well, I quite like Troy. I, I always, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for it. Yes, I know it's a bit hokey and it, it runs on a bit too long and everyone really knows what happens in the end. But uh, I quite liked it. And um, I'm interested to know what um, the director's cut is actually going to be. So, uh, I mean, I don't mind double dipping for this one because it's, it's going to be a separate version of the film. So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. I've got to say, uh, when it comes to director's cuts, I always like to pick up the director's cut. And I think the the biggest difference I've seen lately, director's-wise, was um, Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, completely different film altogether in its director's cut version. So do you think Troy might go the same way, uh, Kaz? Uh, I'm not sold on it. I wasn't a great fan of Troy in all, in those sort of, in that genre of movies. It doesn't pale a stand-up to things like Gladiator. And um, I, I think that the trouble with director's cuts is there is a risk that they'll go down the sort of Oliver Stone route of doing m multiple versions of a movie that people who don't like it aren't going to like the other versions. Uh, but that said, as you say, there have been recent very dramatically different director's cuts. You mentioned Kingdom of Heaven, Payback, that was another dramatic director's cut, completely different tone of movie. So if they change... Troy that dramatically maybe it would actually be more interesting um, but uh, we'll have to see well that's coming at HD DVD and Blu-ray from Warners on the 18th of September and that rounds up our DVD and HD news for this month for more DVD news and reviews visit avplay.com and moving on it's now time for our reviews and starting on Region A Blu-ray it's Mission Impossible 3, and it's Kaz. Well, I've always been a big fan of Mission Impossible, way back to the sort of 60s, 70s series. And uh, so when they started doing Mission Impossible movies, obviously I was keen on seeing them do a really good version. Uh, Tom Cruise came into the lead role, and Brian De Palma directed the first one. And uh, I think that it was quite good, but it, it didn't capture, for me, the essence of Mission Impossible, which was a covert team that used to go in to um, corrupt organisations, infiltrate them, uh, turn them against one another, and then leave as if they were never there in the first place and watch the place self-destruct. Um, that, that was Mission Impossible. It wasn't about shooting people, or um, it, it wasn't about a one-man sort of James Bond army, um, and that's basically what the first director and then John Woo in the second movie turned it into, the Tom Cruise adventure, uh, which is fair enough because Cruise is pretty famous. When I heard about the third movie, J.J. Um, Abrams of Alias fame had taken on the reins and I was hoping he'd return it 
to be a slightly less visually orientated movie and uh, slightly more um, cerebrally orientated movie. He has turned things around quite a lot. Uh, it hasn't returned to the Mission Impossible of the original series, but we're a lot closer to that. And his story sees Hunt brought out of effective sort of retirement. He's training new uh, covert spies for the impossible, impossible mission force. Um, and he's brought out of retirement to help one of his trainees who gets caught. And uh, after getting back involved into the fray, it's soon he's facing off against this uh, powerful terrorist played by um, Philip Seymour Hoffman who uh, takes a very personal interest in Hunt and Hunt's new fiancé. Um, and uh, basically what ensues is a series of uh, quite clever uh, undercover operations and big explosive set pieces. And, and it, it's good. It's a good movie. It's not um, born good, but it's certainly better than Mission Impossible 2. So, Cards, that covers the, uh, the movie side of things. How does the Blu-ray disc look? Well, on Blu-ray, Mission Impossible 3 looks fantastic. It's a relatively recent movie, and they've given it a 1080p transfer in the movie's original widescreen 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio. It looks fantastic. It's, uh, you're not going to go wrong with a movie of this kind of budget, this kind of scale, um, shot in this way, uh, released on an X-Gen format disc, and uh, you don't with this. When it comes to sound, we get two tracks. We get a Dolby Digital 5.1 standard effort, and we get a DTS HD, which is vastly, well, significantly better. And it's um, it it sounds really good on on <laughs> coming around, making your living room come alive. Uh, you're talking about all the explosive set pieces really coming home. Um, the bridge scene, the climactic finale. Uh, and the classic Mission Impossible theme, which they appear to actually get right for a change. It sounds really good. So, guys, yeah, seeing that, we all know the way that this was filmed, uh, crushed whites, a lot of crushed blacks, um, almost Spiel- Spielberg-esque in some scenes uh, where they've oversaturated everything. Um, how does that stand up on the Blu-ray disc? Well, Abrams adopted a sort of twin style, which is shooting some scenes uh, on HD cameras, so that the effects laden scenes on HD cameras and they have a slightly different sheen to them to the other scenes um, but because it's a, such a recent film and because he hasn't gone quite in the direction of sort of Tony Scott over stylization um, whilst it's gritty it's never grainy it actually looks remarkably good on uh, Blu-ray and uh, sound wise I guess um, because it hasn't got an uncompressed 5.1 soundtrack few people might be disappointed with that or does the DTS track really live up to it? I think that you're going to find the DTS track um, is as as good as you're likely to expect from an uncompressed track. It's always disappointing you don't get uncompressed audio, but the DTS uh, soundtrack is pretty amazing. Moving on, what's the extras and your final verdict? Well, the extras we get are all the extras that we got on the DVD release. Um, it's the commentary by Cruz and the director, and along with a whole bunch of featurettes and some deleted scenes which to be honest are really watch once stuff I mean it's a it's a whole second disc of material to work your way through the only disappointment you're likely to find is that again Blu-ray loses out on the lack of um, interactivity you don't have the in-movie experience thing that you got going on with HD they still haven't perfected that and so it's a bit of a shame with something like this all of the uh, footage from the HD's equivalent in movie experience is in the featurettes here so you can watch it it's just it's kind of nice to have that facility so that is one slight downside in terms of extras so uh, rounding off Kaz your verdict and your scores for Mission Impossible 3 Region A Blu-ray well i give the movie a 7 uh, if there were halves it'd probably get a 7.5 but uh, video gets a 9 uh, audio gets an 8 and extras get 7 uh, so that's overall that gets an 8 from me and moving on, uh, Simon has the French HD DVD release of Brotherhood of the Wolf. So, Simon, what did you think of this one? Okay, this film is incredible. I'm just going to have to say that right at the very, very beginning. This is an incredible film, and I absolutely loved it. It's the first time I've seen it, and it's the first time on um, HD DVD, and it is just a breathtakingly beautiful film. 
Okay, so let, now I've put that in the way, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the story of the film. It's um, based on uh, true events. There was uh, an actual beast um, back in just before the uh, French Revolution that uh, terrorised a town, um, and this is a fictionalised version of it. Um, There's over 100 people killed um, in mysterious circumstances. Um, and what um, Christophe Gann has done here, he's uh, sort of used real historical characters and created... Uh, a fairy tale, if you like, about how um, the beast was captured, and intertwined with that is the mystique of how the revolution started as well. Um, it's very deep, it's very involved, um, and it plays out like a, a symphony. It is just glorious, glorious film to watch. So, Simon, obviously, you think that this is a, a beautiful film. Kaz, have you got any uh, input into this movie? I can't uh, I can't fault it in any way. It's it is a tremendous movie. It's it's not just your French equivalent of something like Crouching Tiger. It's um it's a movie that encompasses so many different genres and adds something different to all of them. You've got some excellent martial arts by Marc Dacascos. You've got the sort of period history, the backdrop of of what's going on in France at the time. You've got the horror of the actual beast itself. Um, it's a it's a great movie. It comes strongly recommended. Yeah, guys, I've got to agree wholeheartedly. Um, Brother of the Wolf or Le Pac de Loup, as it was originally uh, known in France, um, is one of my all-time favourite movies. It's absolutely tremendous. Um, but avoiding all the ridiculous superlatives that I would normally throw in, you could freeze this movie at any point, and the image you see is a work of art, immaculately composed. Beautiful, entrancing uh, vi imagery from start to finish, um, and a wonderful story. Very well acted by the entire ensemble cast, and uh, <laughs> exciting, moving, terrifying, and a very haunting film. Some of the CG is a little bit ropey, but you can forgive that. I can't recall a film that has taken me on such uh, a gamut of every emotion possible. Uh, in the same capacity as this movie, I'm incredibly moved by the film, and I think its, uh, it's full director's cut is absolutely uh, an astonishing piece of work. Um, I doubt very much if Christoph Gann can ever <laughs> really repeat what he did here. Uh, the other films of his that I've seen have been nowhere near this sort of class. Um, it's just awesome. So, Simon, moving on to the HD DVD presentation, and what was that like? Right, okay, it's, um, it's been presented uh, widescreen 2.35 to 1, 1080p, and VC1 encoded. What a picture. Beautiful, beautiful picture. There, there are one or two little, little, uh, little problems, but for the most part, this is absolutely fantastic. Colours are rich, they're lush, they shine off the screen. Um, it's, it's, it's shot in a sort of a earthy tone, so it, it's muted in that respect, and then you get these flashes of red that come through, and it's just breathtaking. The definition is fantastic. The, the landscape views from right, from right foreground to that distant horizon, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. If I was a painter, this is the sort of paintings that I'd want to put together. It's just fantastic. A few little film grain spots here and there, nothing particularly um, problems. There was no compression, no edge enhancement, nothing like that. But on the whole, it's, it's, it's so good. I mean, for, for a relatively old film as well, was it five, five, six years old now? French film at that, but still it looks brilliant. Um, I gave this one an eight for, for the picture because um, it's, it's not quite on par with, with the best of the best, but really a beautiful, beautiful picture. I loved it. So, Simon, this one has been doing the rounds for quite a while on DVD and has always been renowned for having an excellent soundtrack. So how does it uh, compare on, on HD DVD then? OK, well, the disc has got only the one um, track, uh, a DTS HD Master Audio 5.1. Um, now, my brand new amp can play DTS HD Master, but unfortunately my player can't just yet, and I think you'll find that not many people can. So unfortunately I can only address the DTS core track, but having said that, wow, what a track. It is fantastic. Really, really good. Surround from all everywhere. Front, back, sides, it comes, assaults you from every direction. Um, there, there have been some people saying that it's a bit too bass heavy. Now, I love bass, and when you've got 
some of the martial arts going and you've got somebody hitting somebody in the chest and you get a thump and that thump vibrates the floor and you feel it in your chest I love that and it was fantastic and it was throughout the entire runtime of the film it was a fantastic score again I've got to give it top marks it was brilliant if, if, if I could have the, the HD master played it at HD master I just think I would have died and gone to heaven because I can't I don't know how it could be better it was just brilliant okay and uh with this being a, a French Studio Canal release, I take it there's no extras? No, absolutely nothing. Never is on any of these discs. But then I don't mind that, really, because it, you, you get more bitrate for the film. So, you know. Okay, then, well, let's move on. Your final verdict. Um, well, going on what you said so far, I take it you love this, and it comes highly recommended. <laughs> highly recommended. Um, it, it's one to show off the sound. It's one to show off the picture. It's one to show off cinema at its best. And moving on, and staying with high definition, this time Blu-ray Region A release, and it's the fifth element, the remastered version, and to wax lyrical is uh, Chris. So Chris, what did you think? Hmm. Uh, actually, this is encoded for A, B and C uh, regions. Um, but yeah, the remastered fifth element, uh, of course, you may know that there was a previous version of this which was distinctly um, on high definition, apparently. I never saw that version, but I, I heard a lot of bad things about it. Well, Sony seems to have taken on board the issues and corrected them to, well, very well from what I can see anyway. Uh, a film that's ten years old now. Uh, Bruce Willis, kind of at the height of his game in those days, um, <sighs> becomes the unwitting hero in Luke Besson's utterly ridiculous OTT colourful camp romp that is The Fifth Element. Um, <sighs> Where do I start with this film? I went to the pictures to see this and I witnessed what was tantamount to a mass walkout because of uh, the rather notorious performance of uh, Chris Tucker uh, as the futuristic DJ Ruby Rod. Uh, well, I'll talk about him a bit later on. Him, it, whatever you want to call him. Um, but as a sci-fi movie, it's got a lot going for it, admittedly. It's set in, in uh, the 23rd century. Bruce Willis plays what is now a taxi driver who was an ex-Special Forces um, space pilot, a hero in the you know, in some wars or, or of another, and um, rather surprisingly he, he receives a strange cab fare which is Lilu, played by Mila Hohovich, who is the perfect creation. She is the supreme being kind of deal who has been sort of rejuvenated in a test tube and crashed through the roof of his flying sky car taxi. Unbeknownst to him, of course, the government is after her. Uh, Ian Holmes, bizarre, wacky um, monk who is trying to fulfill an age-old prophecy which will defend the Earth from supreme evil, which, of course, happens to be heading towards the Earth at a rate of light years, destroying everything in its path. We've heard that sort of plot before, haven't we, with lots and lots of Star Trek episodes and movies? Uh, so it becomes a sort of race against time but you throw into this mix you have uh, Gary Oldman the great Gary Oldman completely derailing his own persona by playing the the villain of the piece Zorg who is a, has this bizarre South Amer South deep South drawl Texan drawl he's a, a gun runner he's got his fingers in many different pies he has allegiances to these strange sort of dog, maybe pig-headed um, aliens, the Mangalores, who are a warlike race. Uh, there's a lot of double-crossing, there's a lot of contrivances, and it all seems to end up on this floating pleasure ship called Floston Paradise, above the hedonistic planet of Floston itself, where everything comes to a head. You have blue-skinned opera-singing divas with tentacles coming out of their heads. You have the Mangalores going on the rampage. You have... Chris Tucker's DJ Ruby Rod mincing about like a fool, cavorting and just will not shut up rather like one of my reviews I suppose but this guy is so so annoying it does completely take you out of the film um, what what had a lot going for it, it it's it takes theology and has fun with it it's a riotous uh, colourful extravaganza you quite you go into it well I said he went into it initially expecting quite a rather highbrow <laughs> it's, 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 I regret saying that now but a highbrow sci-fi movie a new Blade Runner for the next generation 
and that was certainly how it was touted at the time. Of course, that's not what the film is. The film is an out-and-out -out comedy. A ribald, ridiculous, farcical pantomime of a film. Um, but it's meant to be. And I really, I'm not going to take that away from the film. It's just that's not what you expect when you go into it. Um, Performance-wise, Bruce Willis, he just wisecracks his way through it. Uh, he has a strange blonde hairdo as well. These are the days when he had a little bit of hair left there. Um, and of course, as I, I was going to say, the action man um, persona comes to the fore during the big shootout, which is actually not that great when you watch it now. Um, apparently, it didn't have one of the biggest explosions ever staged on an indoor set. Um, and at the time, yeah, it fairly rocked, but you know, if you look at it now, it's hmm, decidedly ho hum. Um, Eric Serra does the uh, the score for the film, and it's a hodgepodge of electronic, rock, ambience, orchestral. It's a mess. Eric Serra is not one of the, uh, the the best film composers, as far as I'm concerned. He, he mangled Goldeneye, and uh, although there are elements in this which uh, which are quite nice, uh, and melodic, and the, the, the typical sci-fi sort of soundtrack. He, he then goes and botches it by putting in some crazed um, rap and pounding techno stuff, which just doesn't sit right. It's an eclectic mix, as the film is from start to finish, and the whole thing, I don't think, hangs together at all. Well, CG-wise, this was, at the time, it was quite great because you had a marvellous shot of uh, the futuristic metropolis of, of New York, again, very heavily inspired by Metropolis, the original film Metropolis, uh, super mile-high skyscrapers, um, lots and lots of lanes of flying cars and vehicles, and it's it's a nicely realised uh, vista. Um, and here we go with the actual technical aspect of, of this release. Again, the detail on the original version apparently wasn't up to scratch. It certainly wasn't high def. It didn't pop out from the screen. Uh, well, this version, well, it most certainly does. It's not on a par with later releases, more recent films, obviously. Um, but using MPEG-4 AVC, this does look entrancing. The colours are really, really bold, and the film, because the film thrives on that. Uh, in, in many ways, it's the anti-Blade Runner, because apart from the dark, noirish aspects of Ridley Scott's classic, this goes for brightness, garish colour, vivid, in-your-face um, colour, and, you know, it certainly is hypnotic to watch. And the image does pay a lot of respect to that. Um, fidelity is, is nigh on perfect, really. Uh, Detail-wise, yes, it's certainly crisper than I've ever seen it before. Um, detail on the, again, the pivotal scene of Lilu stepping out onto the ledge and looking out on this futuristic world for the first time. Well, it's, it's quite gobsmacking even now to look at that. If you look deeper into it, some of this CG isn't quite as up to scratch as you may have liked. Uh, or maybe come used to with Lucas's um, Star Wars prequels, um, but it's you know it's it's a great looking image without a doubt. Depth of field is there, but it's not quite as pronounced as I thought it was going to be. Uh, some of the interiors look better than the exteriors in that respect. You have scenes of the floating Floston Paradise ship above the planet, uh, which don't look as they look enhanced, but they don't look convincing at all. Um, there is some edge enhancement as well, which is obviously adds to this mix. The higher resolution also seems to bring out a bit of grain now and again. It's nothing to worry about, to be totally honest. Um, there are one or two shots there which don't look touched up at all. In fact, when you first see, right at the very start of the movie in particular, and it hits you like a, you know, like a lightning bolt because it, it's not what you expect. The scene of the little lad riding up to the um, the ancient ruin in in Egypt. Uh, it looks awful for a split second. It's glary. It's uh, it's it's too soft, and it's a you know it's wall to wall grain. Um, but very soon after that, the film settles down, and apart from one or two shots where the grain reappears and the image softens up again, it's actually you know a transfer that's well worth picking up if you're a fan of this movie. I, I can't fault that. Um, sound wise, you have a, you have a Dolby Two HD track, and you have a glorious PCM uncompressed track as well. And having listened to the pair of them, I'm quite prepared to believe that the people out there who think, well, there's absolutely no difference between them, uh, I think there is slightly, only slightly. I think the PCM track uh, reaches out a little bit further. 
It's got a little bit, a little tiny bit more oomph um to it, and there's, the steerage around the speakers and the setup is a little bit more precise, I think, and at least you can flick between the two to to, to gauge this. Uh, but to be honest, both are both are great. They're not as immersive, not as dynamic as you might have hoped, but they're still very good tracks in their own right. I really can't fault them as as, as the, the film itself. It's a film that's ten years old, uh, and surround is certainly there. There's a lot of ricochets of gunfire, and um, there's a lot of um, finite detail taking place around the room. The stereo, as I say, is, is very good, but you have heard a lot better than this on more recent releases. But you know, you're a fan of the movie. You're not gonna you're not gonna complain about this. It's 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 as good as it's gonna get for the Fifth Element. Extras wise. Oh dear. Well, nothing. You have a trivia track, which I'm really not going to class as anything special to look at, because it's it's the most trivial of trivia tracks that have come across so far, and I didn't stick with it, to be honest. This is a film that literally begs documentaries and featurettes, not just to, exp you know, to reveal how the effects were done and the themes behind it, but to for Luke Basson to explain what the hell he was doing when he, he gave the second half of his film to Chris Tucker to then go and mangle beyond belief because believe you me folks once he, once he gets into it he doesn't get out of the movie and he doesn't shut up it just goes on and on and on and uh, <laughs> it's it's the thing that really was the clincher for me I could have put up with this film a lot more um, if that guy wasn't in it <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I know there's fans of this movie out there I, I know that I actually know a few of them I don't class them as friends, though. <laughs> uh, but the film is a, a sci-fi travesty, to be honest. It's a, a pantomime gone horribly, horribly wrong. Great ideas, great vision, but sadly lacks direction, lacks a point. And it's got fashions by Jean-Paul Gaultier. Uh, you all want to see Bruce in a vest. Bruce Willis in a vest. You want to see that okay it's bright orange I can live with that but look when he turns around it's got little straps on the back of it what are they playing at there it's an embarrassment it's an embarrassment doesn't matter if you're a fan of this film nothing I've said is going to put you off and you know get the movie by all, by all means because this is a this is the transfer that you've been waiting for uh, so as a movie I would give this a 6 out of 10 I could give it less but it's got ideas in it and it's certainly entertaining up to a point. Picture-wise, I'll give it a good solid eight out of ten. There's moments which I, you know, I, I take umbrage with, but overall, this is a great, vibrant transfer which has hitherto unseen um, texture and depth, which you know you can't fault. Sound, I give it an eight again, good solid eight. It, it does plenty with its surround usage, and it's good, convincing, authentic sound, and you know you're not gonna have a problem with that. Extras, forget it. Overall, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. If you're a fan, give it a couple more. But basically, it's not for me. Okay, thanks, Chris. And uh, you've just said the point that I'm not your mate. So that's great. <laughs> Are you a fan of this film? I, I think it's very, very good. I like it. Oh, but there you go. God, mate. Yeah, I pick, did, up, did, I pick up on the points that you're saying. And, and yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. But Did you go into it knowing what it was going to be, though, when you first saw this film? No, I didn't expect it at first. But it's grown on me. And there's there's a few scenes that I use as demos, which it, it just grow, grows on me even more because I used it so so often for demo pieces. That's it's fair news. Yeah. So thanks, Chris, with that review, and that wraps up our HD, DVD, and Blu-ray reviews for this month. The biggest news and the best best reviews. Best reviews. Hard, tiring work. You're listening to the AV podcast. And to finish off on the uh, Movies and Games podcast this week, uh, Ian Collin joins us. Hello, Ian. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. And I understand you've got the latest games news for us, and, and you might even have a review. Oh, I might just have, yeah. So what's happening in the world of games um, this month? Um, well, not a great deal, to be honest. Considering I haven't been around for a while, and there's been a, a big show in America, the E3 show, which is a, a big, huge games convention. And um, I was expecting to be 
packed out, you know, loads of announcements, great things coming out of that. But um, unfortunately, that was a little bit lightweight and not very many announcements were made, which made the whole show um, something of a disappointment, to be fair. The only really things that came out of it, of any real note that, well, that concerned me, was missing out playing on Assassin's Creed, which is, a, is an awesome-looking stealth-based action game from Ubisoft. And obviously being in Santa Monica where it was held, that was a real chore missing there. Um, I, I was gutted. <laughs> and the only other things that came out of it that were of any real interest was seeing that um, two other games, one called Haze and another Unreal Tournament 3, been switched to being PS3 exclusives for the rest of this year, which means I work for an Xbox 360 mag and was really looking forward to those two games as being potential classics of the year, but unfortunately I'm going to have to wait until next year for those, uh, as will PC owners. Yeah, PS3 fans will be getting that this year, so they'll be pleased um, at least. So what is E3, Ian, and I take it some kind of convention? Yeah, basically, you know, you get like um, all the, the big trade shows, but you get CES shows such as that. Um, and there's a few in the games industry. You've got E3 always used to be the biggest, where all the main publishers and developers would go, and there'd just be you know hordes of journalists, and they used to let the public in as well, so there could just be thousands and thousands of people just spread across the city. You know, it's not just one conference hall. You know, all these publishers, they hire out hotels, they've got these big warehouses with big, huge, over-the-top displays and everything. It used to be an amazing show. And then there's a another one which has been cancelled again this year, one called XO7, um, obviously following in from XO4, XO5, XO6 and so on. Um, that's a Microsoft-based event um, where they generally just display everything that's, you know, the latest and greatest from Xbox. That's been cancelled as well. So a bit of a low-key event so far this year. But um, there's one coming up in August in Leipzig, which promises to be the biggest of the year so far, especially for European journalists, because we were kind of like the poorer people so far in terms of getting good product out to us so that we can actually see these latest and greatest games. It's all been pretty much oriented to the American market. But I'm um, looking forward to, to Germany in August, where Leipzig should be a really, really big show, so we can expect to, to hear a lot more about the best games for the rest of the year then. So E3, bit of a disappointment, but um, was there anything else that sort of caught your attention this month? Yeah, there's quite a few things, really. Um, I mean, whilst E3 itself wasn't particularly huge, there's a few sort of uh, smaller announcements coming out around it. It seems that the publishers weren't too fussed about the event and were happy to wait you know, for a, a few days afterwards to announce anything. A couple in particular, um, Far Cry 2 has been announced for the PC, which wasn't entirely surprising, but still something to look forward to. Silent Hill 3 has been announced for the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Another game, uh, Rockstar Table Tennis. You wouldn't really expect Table Tennis to be the, the foundation for a particularly classic game. But Rockstar brought it out on the Xbox 360, and it was surprisingly good and very, very popular. And uh, a version of that has just been announced for the Wii, you know, a console which you think would lend itself ideally to Table Tennis, just using the Wii mode as you paddle. Be, you know, it should be quite good fun, quite looking forward to that. If you're looking for the mildly controversial announcements, there was a game came out a while ago called Bully, from Rockstar as well, who are, you know, not too far away from con uh, controversy um, with some of the games that they release, such as the GTA series. Brought out a game called Bully a while ago, based around a 15-year-old schoolboy starting off at a new school, facing lots of, you know, various troubles and stuff like that. Some of it includes violence, some of it includes humour, but obviously blacktop tabloids and moralists across the world started screaming outrage, the fact that there could be some kind of playground violence and the various influences it could have and basically it was just you know a good fun game so with the controversy surrounding that when it came out on the ps2 finally gone away they've announced versions of it for the xbox 360 and for the wii as well quite why this ps2 game isn't getting an upgrade to the ps3 isn't yet clear maybe there'll be something coming up in the future but yeah this is called but well, it's technically entitled bully the scholarship edition but uh, in the UK, they had to drop the bully name and uh, rename it Canis Canem Edit for the original. So God knows what they're going to do with the name for this one. My Latin's not that great. I don't know what scholarship edition would be, but it's just going to end up with a horrendously long title if they think about changing it. It'll be something to look forward to because they're promising a lot more new content as well. So hopefully it'll be more than just a, a next-gen upgrade. You know, I'm not expecting huge things from the game, if I'm entirely honest. But I'm just interested to see where Rockstar are going with this title because it was critically well received when it came out everyone was slating it originally just the concept of the game but when it came out it was getting you know nines and tens across the board so really looking forward to seeing how that works on the the 360 and the wii and hopefully when they finally get around to it the ps3 
talking about controversy, there was a big news story about two or three months ago now concerning resistance for all of men, and it seems to have disappeared. Any news on what's happening with that? I think it was just one of those things where people just, I don't know, they just feel the need to suddenly go off on one and just find something to be morally outraged from from time to time. And usually video games are the cause of that. And it's just, people just look at violence in video games and think that that's all there is to it. Therefore, video games are evil because they influence violent behavior. And having it in a church just seems, you know, like the worst that it could possibly get. So before people had even or barely seen the game, it was getting slated. And I think, because gamers didn't care, they knew better. They knew that it was just, it's, you know, a science fiction game that's barely based on any form of reality. So the concept that people could link Manchester Cathedral with what's happening in the game is a little bit bizarre in itself. And I'm guessing that once these people voiced their moral outrage and everybody just turned around and said, yeah, whatever, you're wrong, we don't care, um, they probably just gave up and thought, oh, okay, maybe they're right, we better not say anymore. Well, that's what I'm hoping anyway. Well, I suppose the the more cynical amongst us could say that, um, well, Sony had a new console to launch and a great bit of publicity for them, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I don't know how much say Sony had in the actual development of the game itself. I'm sure they're, you know, not exactly um, horrified when this news came out because it was free publicity. I mean, we mentioned Rockstar before. Some of their titles, GTA titles, I'm sure Bully did well based on the controversy that came up around these games. It's just probably made more people want to go out and buy the game, take a look at it, just to see what all the fuss is about. They'll probably be slightly disappointed when they play it and just be thinking, well, that was it. This is what people got so fussed about. It's just I'm shooting aliens in a building that looks a bit like a church. It's crazy. Okay, so uh, moving on from there, anything else to round up the news this month? Only that involves stark facts and figures and a few um, hardware bits of information. First up, there's a new Xbox 360 Elite console coming up soon which goes on sale on the 24th of August, which is basically the same as a normal Xbox 360, but instead of a 60-gig drive, it's got a 120-gig drive. Also comes with an extra HDMI port and additional video-on-demand features and the like. Um, Got a price come through for that, which has been confirmed by everyone except Microsoft, which is $329.99, which doesn't seem like a bad price. Still £50 more than what you'd pay for an existing premium Xbox 360 pack. But... It's not a bad little price. Similarly, new products coming up soon is a new PSP, which is almost exactly the same as the old PSP, just a little bit thinner and maybe shinier in places, I'm not sure. Um, but that's going on sale in September, and that's been given a price currently of €169, Euros, which by the time they convert it into UK prices with a few extra quid slapped on top, probably going to be around €129.99, which is exactly the same as the current PSP. So, I don't know. Get the new one, it's thinner. <laughs> that's their sales pitch well people do they go out and buy new iPods and so on because it's thinner why not get a thinner PSP yeah yeah. that's me rambling now anyway <laughs> <laughs> what's so, the big deal is there anything else Ian before we wrap up there this month okay no it's just talked quite a bit before about prices of um, consoles and people wanting to get themselves a bargain from Sony but I don't know whether you heard this story but um, there was a kid in Norfolk bought a PS2 from eBay for the bargain price, not a bad deal, £95, came with two games, you know, quite a nice little deal, I'm sure he was looking forward to when it arrived at his house. When it did, opened it up, it's gutted. PlayStation 2 was there, two games were missing. You know, I'm sure he was partially devastated, probably looking to get in some rentals or whatever, but then dug a little bit further down inside the box, found £44,000 worth of euros stuffed inside, um, which, you know, that's value for money, I don't know about anybody else. Fortunately, his parents did the morally and legally correct thing i made him hand in the cash but obviously there's a chance that he could still claim that back if the person that sold it who has yet to come forward probably because maybe some kind of dodgy motives behind sticking forty-four thousand pounds in a box and sending it off to a stranger if he doesn't come forward then he's got a right to to claim that sometime later in the year so it'll be interesting to see whether he gets that and then can finally afford to get himself a ps3 like everybody else would do Either that, or you have a couple of gangsters turn up at his door looking for that money. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <I'm, laughs> that could be an unfortunate knock at the door. Money's with the police now, so they can face that. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we'll wrap up. Have you been playing anything recently? If so, what and what were your thoughts on it? Well, I've been playing lots. I've actually been quite lucky over the past few weeks that I've been able to, to get out and play some uh, preview material. 
Um, I've been playing Jericho, which is due out in a, a couple of months, which looks pretty good. Two biggest games for me, which are both coming up uh, at the end of August, are Bioshock, which is a, a first-person shooter for the for the 360, um, which is just it's amazing. Unofficially, of course, it's not an official review or one-word review. It just looks gr- uh, great. And the other big game, biggest game of the year as far as I'm concerned, is Sensible World of Soccer. Can you remember that little fella from the Amiga and the Mega Drive back in the day? That's coming out on Xbox Live Arcade at the end of the month. I got to play that. Um, entered a tournament as well, no less. Finished third. Got bapped in the semi-finals. Um, admittedly, I was a little bit rubbish there. But won the third-place playoff and won a little medal, which made my day. Okay, but the, the one game that I've been playing the most over the past couple of weeks has been a game called The Darkness. This is out on the Xbox 360 and also on the PS3. Obviously, I've been playing it on the Xbox 360 myself, but from what I've been seeing, there are barely any differences between that and the PS3 version. And um, for me, it's one of the first great games of the year. I think it's a brilliant game, but it, it is flawed, and I can see why many people wouldn't like it as much and why it doesn't deserve you know, hitting scores right at the top. Just to, to basically summarize, it's a standard first-person shooter at its core, but it's just got this killer twist surrounding it. The story is based on a comic book series where you play a guy called Jackie S. Dicardo, and it's like a, you know, a hitman for some mafia wannabe gang. And on the eve of his 21st birthday, it's all very iconic in this kind of um, respect, he's sent off to do a hit where it turns out he's been betrayed by his boss um, and a hit's been put out on him. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite pay off and he survives. And, you know, the basic goal is to go out and get revenge, except when midnight kicks in and his 21st birthday occurs, he gets the mother of all birthday gifts and he gets possessed by this entity that is called the darkness. You know, this isn't just your, your paranormal kind of... Uh, you know, takeover. It's not something controlling him. He's actually in control of this darkness to an extent, which manifests itself in these big giant tentacles, which um, during the course of the game give him these added powers. One of them is called a creeping dark, which is a snake-like arm, which can crawl across the floor and then can then attack enemies with these big razor-sharp teeth and then rip their hearts out and do horrible things like that. Although there is like a, a tactical element to use it as well for crawling through vents, but chewing people's faces is quite good fun. You've also got a demon arm, which is like, you know, a sharp tail like you see in the Aliens films when they're whacking their tails back. You can use that. You can throw black holes, suck people in, which becomes a useful weapon later in the game. You've also got these special guns that you could use called darkness guns. But um, all these great powers aside, it's still a basic shooter. It's still basically, you know, you go from A to B. You've got to take out these gangster guys. So even though you're possessed by this demonic being, you know, these other guys, they seem to take it quite well. There's this copper you're shooting, um, you're trying to catch up with. And instead of like, oh my God, one of those big, horrible black tentacle things with sharp teeth coming out of your back. He's just there going, oh, you've got all that black shit going on. And it's just, okay, be scared. Come on. But the way it works, it's just stylishly for me, it really, really works. It looks fantastic. Some of the settings are a little bit basic, to say the least. But they still look good. And it's very, very well polished. The, the environments themselves are quite small. And they're linked by these two train stations, two underground train stations, which you always have to move between. So there's a lot of slow moving around, a lot of loading scenes, which slow the game down a little bit. And it's maybe not as all action as we were originally hoping it would be. But for me, the action that's there is pretty intense. It's really, really fast, a little bit repetitive. Um, that may take the edge off it for some people. But I just had an endless blast with it. When I sat down and played it, it's one of the first games I've sat down and played from start to finish without a break obviously apart from going to the toilet from time to time and getting that all important food and caffeine fix in but the story is just compelling the gameplay i just found compelling where i just wanted to play through to see what would happen next because there's some awesome plot twists in there which i don't want to give away too much but it's it's quite clear that it's not just based in new york there's a sort of a parallel universe where you get sucked into this hellish world war ii based environment or world war one rather environment and, you know, it's just changed the game completely. But that's something really that people need to to find out when they play it themselves, which I'd recommend they do. I think when, I, when I'd score it, I'd probably score it with an 8 out of 10. That's more of a realistic score, I think. I'd happily, you know, give it a 9, but it is flawed. Um, and I could understand that it might not be some people's thing. It's not as expansive as a GTA. It's not sort of as all action as Bioshock is or will be, what I've been playing earlier on in the month. But... 
I'd still recommend it to anyone to at least give it a go. If you like your action shooters, especially this one, which just got the awesome twist that you can have a lot of fun with, I'd recommend giving The Darkness a look for sure. Okay, Ian, thanks very much for that. And uh, just to wrap up this month, 360 Gamer Magazine, what can we expect to find in this month's edition? Well, if you rush to the shelves right now, you'll find we've got a world-exclusive Fallout 3. It's just an absolutely immense shooter. Uh, it's not coming out until next year, but it just it looks fantastic. Looking at the shots coming through of it, it's just one of the most visually stunning games I've seen since Gears of War, pretty much. We've got that slapped on the cover. That's pretty substantial we've got more on gta obviously we've got more stuff on halo comes all the time we've got a big feature on guitar hero 2 if that's your kind of thing and lots more besides i could run through the contents list if you like but i would probably bore you a little bit because i've just so much in there what can i say what do you mean you haven't bought a copy <laughs> okay then well uh, thanks very much ian and uh, we'll catch up with you again next month will do cheers phil made by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie, thanks. This is the AV Podcast. And that's it for the Movies Podcast for July. Don't forget if you have any questions, suggestions or comments, then please send them to help at avpodcast.co.uk. This is Phil Hinton saying thanks for listening and we'll see you again next month. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.